Well, Father, we just thank you for this time. Lord, we just uh, we think about how much we love you, Father, but I don't think sometimes that we grasp just how much that you do for us uh, each and every single day. And Lord, I just thank you so much uh, for your grace, for your mercy, for your love, for your forgiveness. Uh, Father, I pray that if there's anybody in here today that, that doesn't know you, Father, today would be the day. Lord, I pray you just open ears, open hearts, Father. I pray for anybody in here that's struggling, Father, anybody here that's down, that's depressed, Lord, that's battling anxiety, worry, fear, uh, Lord, any of that. Father, I pray you just take it away. I pray you just help us to be present in this moment, Lord. Help us to hear your word today, Father. And I pray that you would speak today, Lord. I don't want to speak, but I just pray that you would speak. Father, we'll just give you all the honor and the glory. We pray all this in your name. Amen. How are you guys this morning? Good. You guys are excited. Well, my name is Luke. I have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here, and uh, if you don't know me, shame on you, because I'm kind of a big deal. So uh, why did you laugh? That's not true? That's totally not true. That's 100% not true. And that's what I'm going to explain today. How many, how many people uh, in your life know your name, know who you are? Can you think of a lot of people who know who you are, know your name? How many of those people know that you're a believer? How many of those people know that you're a Christian? How many of those people know Jesus? I can think of a lot of people who know me. I can also think of a lot of those people that probably know me that probably don't know Jesus. I had an opportunity last night to uh, get together with our small group, our Lionheart small group, and uh, went bowling last night. And uh, we're at the bowling alley in Warsaw, and I had a couple of, I had three guys come up that I haven't seen in years. Now, I bowled for almost 20 years, bowled leagues, um, had a great time with that, but I haven't seen any of those guys for 10, 11 years. I haven't, I haven't done any of that for probably 10 or 11 years, and I got to see some of those guys last night, and I didn't mention Jesus to any of those guys last night. They asked how I was doing, what I was doing. I told them that. But I didn't really talk about Jesus too much. Talked about old times and what that was like and fun we had and things like that. But I never even brought up Jesus once. And I was thinking about that last night, and I was like, I didn't even get a chance to, even get a chance to talk about him. And really, to be quite frank, it didn't even enter my mind because I got so caught up in reminiscing with them about old stuff and them and how much fun we had, and it got very me and us centered. And the conversation switched from anything that could be about Jesus to us and how much fun we had and what we used to do and those type of things. So that's what I want to talk about this morning is, A, are you known by Jesus? That's the first thing. And B, is Jesus known by other people because of you? Because I think a lot of times we can get caught up in what we are doing in our life and how things are going and all this stuff that's going on and we get very me, 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 and we forget about the fact that A, we know Jesus, so we have something to offer, but we don't get to think about that too much because we get caught up in here. The mind goes to me. Is there anybody in here that doesn't like to talk about themselves? That's good, right? If we're honest with ourselves, right, we like to talk about us. If you ask me a question about me, I'll be excited to tell you all about it. And I can talk a lot. You can ask my kids, ask my wife. I can talk a lot. Why is that? Why do we like to talk about ourselves? Why are we so us centered? Why do we like to make it about us? So I want you guys to think about this this morning as we're going through this. We live in a culture today that is so self-indulgent, so self-centered, so me-centered that they tell you to do what? From a very young age, think about it. You guys, kids in the youth group, right? What do you hear constantly? Go out there and be somebody. Make a name for yourself. Make sure they remember you. Leave a legacy. What are you leaving that legacy for? Is it for you? Or do you want to leave a legacy for Jesus? What are you striving for? 
Is it his glory? Is it yours? But culture today doesn't tell us that. It says, hey, you go out and get yours. Make sure that everybody knows who you are. They'll remember you. And if they remember you, you've done something. What if they remember you and they never knew Jesus? They can remember you, but they're still on their way to hell. We've got an opportunity every single time we have an interaction with someone. We have an opportunity to interject him into the conversation. There's reasons we don't. Let's be honest, right? Fear, that's a big one. We're worried about that. What is somebody going to think about me? Because you can, and this is crazy, you can talk about God. You can talk about religion with somebody. But the minute you say the word Jesus, conversation changes, doesn't it? Feel the atmosphere change. Oh, he's going to talk about Jesus. He's one of those people. Yes, we are one of those people. And we should be okay with being one of those people. Matthew 28, I want you guys to, I want you guys to think about this. Scripture will be up there. So Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 19 says what? It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you see anywhere in that scripture where it says go into all the nations and tell people about you? It doesn't say that anywhere, does it? It doesn't say, hey, go out, share about you, tell them all about you, make sure they know all about you. It says what? Go out and make disciples. Tell them about who? Tell them about Jesus. Make Jesus known. The world today says, what's in it for me? What can I get out of it? If I do this, what do I get? How can I make sure that I'm getting mine? Anybody in this room that's a believer knows what? You'll get yours. It's not here. Could be here. But we have something waiting for us that's beyond our comprehension. We have something that is waiting for us that even in our mind, if we tried as hard as we could to think about the most amazing place and thing that we can think of in our life, it pales in comparison. People need to know about that. They don't need to know about us. They need to know about him. But we like ourselves a lot. Any football fans in here? Football fans? Great. All right. So Terrell Owens, wide receiver, he had a clothing line out, and I almost, I almost bought this T-shirt. It's been a while ago. But he had a T-shirt out that just simply said, I love me some me. And I think about that. We're that way. We do. Do we love Jesus more than we love ourselves? Because if we do, we'll make sure that people know him and not us. But I love me a lot. I'm just going to be honest. But I should love Jesus more. And if you don't love Jesus more, why is that? What's important to you? Do you enjoy the validation that you get? Do you enjoy when somebody knows that you've done something? Do you enjoy getting that pat on the back, that attaboy? Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that because we all need encouragement. It's good when somebody comes up and gives you that pat on the back, says, hey, you did a good job. I appreciate what you do. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But is that your motive? Is that why you do it? I'm going to do this task, and they better make sure that they know that I did it. Is that important to you? Or when you do something, are you doing it just for the plain and simple fact to serve? Are you doing it because that's what's right? Are you doing it just because we're supposed to do everything to the best of our ability to honor God? Your heart will reveal the motives. But your motive there should be only one person, right? There's one person that we should have to worry about that knows our name, right? That's Jesus Christ. One person should know who we are. That's Jesus. If nobody else remembers your name, it doesn't matter. If you know Jesus, he knows you. And that's the important part. It doesn't matter if you know him. It's important if he knows you. 
Jesus loves you more than anybody else does. Jesus knows you better than anybody else does. Jesus sees you. Does it matter if other people do? Jesus sees you all the time. He knows why you're doing things. He knows your motive. He knows your purpose. He knows your heart. He knows exactly why you're doing this particular task. He knows why you're here today. People need to know who he is, but we have to get out of the way. And I don't know about you, but I can get in the way real easy. I get in the way real easy. Colossians, is, Colossians 3 is, is one of my favorite chapters, probably in the New Testament. I have it here in my Bible, and I have it written down. I have the, it's the daily grind, that's what I call it, but not in a negative way. It's a reminder for me, and I think about this chapter of Scripture constantly because it's a, it's a reminder to me of who I should be, how I should be, what I should do, how I should do it. There's a few verses in here that point out to us our glory isn't important. It's God's glory. Why do we do this? What's our purpose? Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything. Everything that you do, no matter what. You do it all for who? For Jesus. It doesn't matter if somebody knows that you did it. It doesn't matter if somebody recognizes that you did it. It doesn't matter if somebody needs to know. Jesus already knows. And he knows why you did it. 23 and 24 then go on to say, Colossians, says, whatever you do, work heartily is for the Lord and not for men. Are you doing it for him? Or for men, you doing it to be seen by him? And look at, the, look at the end of the verse there. It says, following, or sorry, knowing that the Lord, or from the Lord you'll receive your inheritance as your reward. You're serving the Lord Christ. Why are you doing things? You want people to know? You want glory from everybody around you? You want people to make sure they know who you are? Who do you serve? You serve man or you serve God? There's nothing in any of those passages that I read that says, hey, make sure that you do it for your glory. Make sure that you do it so other people know. Make sure that you do it so somebody acknowledges what you've done. So we have a tendency, we just get in the way, we get in the way, we get in the way. And then when we get in the way, it becomes us. It takes away from Jesus. It takes away from him from his love, his grace, his truth, his forgiveness. It takes away everything from him, and it puts the center focus on us. And when the focus is on us, it's awful hard for people to see Jesus. Do you step in the way on purpose sometimes? That's a hard one. Are there times where you step in the way on purpose? I've done that before. No, no, let me tell you. So I want to share some people with you before we get into the main passage of Scripture that things were done for them and you don't know what their name is at all. But there's one name that's prevalent through all of these. There's a list of things that Jesus did for people and if you read through Scripture, they don't have a name. None of them have a name. Jesus' name is mentioned in every single one of these circumstances. Jesus healed a leper. I don't know what his name is. You know what his name is? I don't. The centurion's servant. Peter's mother-in-law. Doesn't say what her name was. The paralyzed man. The woman with the hemorrhage the two blind men, the demon-possessed man at the synagogue, no names. Whose name is mentioned there? Jesus. 
He healed the deaf mute, man with a withered hand, Canaanite woman's daughter, the blind man at Bethsaida, the woman who has been over for 18 years, the man with dropsy, and the 10 lepers. There's no names. Why aren't there any names? Because their names aren't important. Whose name's important? Jesus' name is important. He did this for them. He did the miracle for them. Their name's not important. It's what he did. The last one, everybody's, I'm sure everybody's familiar with this. The woman at the well, right? Everybody's familiar with the woman at the well. Does anybody know her name? I don't. Jesus meets her, and this is so interesting to me because her name's not mentioned, but I'll guarantee you there were people in town that knew her name, and they knew her name for the wrong reason. Her name isn't mentioned, which is also ironic to me because after she talks to Jesus, what does she do? She runs back into town and then starts to do what? Tell everybody. This is your first missionary. Goes back into town and starts saying, hey, I met this guy. He told me all about everything I ever did, all of this stuff. And she starts spreading the word about him. And you know what? She's nameless. Why is she nameless? Because it's not about the person. It's about the what? It's about the message. What did Jesus do? Here's what he did. I want to tell you about him. Here's what he did. Not me. Don't focus on me. Focus on what he did. And I'm sure everybody in town pretty much probably knew about her. She wouldn't have had to explain much. Every one of these people mentioned here is not mentioned by name. The focus is on Jesus, what Jesus did for them, how Jesus changed their life. Are you okay with being nameless? As long as Jesus knows your name, is that enough for you? Are you good with that? If somebody forgets your name, do you get offended? You ever get back in the car sometime and be like, I can't believe they didn't remember what my name was. They didn't even, they remember me, but they didn't remember my name. We get so caught up in us. Why is that offensive? Do we make ourselves so important that we make ourselves the center of our universe and that's the basis of our life? Me? I can pick on you guys sitting right here in the front row because I know that's how you guys are. Teenagers, life is you. It's all you. Nothing else matters. It's me. It's me. It's me. Guess what? It's not. You're going to find out. And even as adults, it doesn't get easier because we can carry that as adults too, can't we? Make sure you see me. Make sure that I'm known. So I've just got a short passage of Scripture this morning. It's actually only two verses. But there's a lot here in these two verses. It's rich. It's full. And some of you know that I'm an Old Testament guy. I love the Old Testament. <laughs> the passage, First Chronicles. First Chronicles 4, 9, and 10. I want you guys to see this and see this prayer of Jabez. And it's short, but it's amazing how God does things in his word with just a little bit, right? First Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my borders, and that your head might be, or sorry, your hand might be with me, and that you keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. 
Now, if you read through this chapter, this is a long chapter of a lot of names. This is a genealogy. It's a long chapter of a lot of names. But what I want you to see here is in this entire passage, there's one particular person that gets a couple extra verses, and that's Jabez. He gets a little bit of a nod. Why? Why him? He didn't want for himself, but he wanted for God to use him for the better of God's people. I want to show you there's four things we can take away from this. Now, all we really know, he was a descendant of God's chosen nation, the family of Judah, and it says he was an honorable man, but it said his name meant sorrow or sorrowful or pain. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd have a rough start to my life if my mom named E after what she felt when she gave birth. can only imagine what my mom might have named me. She's got kind of a rough start here. So his prayer contains four urgent requests. And I want to look at these four things. So the first thing I want us to look at is I want you to look at he asked for God's blessing. He acknowledges that God is the source of all of his blessing and that if he's going to do anything for the benefit of God's kingdom, he needs God's grace to do any of it. Do you think about that when you do work for, for Jesus When you go to work for the kingdom, do you start out that way? Do you go, hey, Lord, will you bless my efforts, not for me, but bless my efforts for you. Use me. I just want to go out there and be the instrument that you use. It's not about me. It's about you. Bless my efforts for you. He knew who he was serving He knew who was in control, and he knew who was going to make everything and anything happen. He knew that was God. He wasn't asking for anything to do on his own. There's a lot of stuff we can step out on our own and try and do, and we don't even think about God for one second. We step out, we move, we go, I've got this idea, I'm going to move, I'm going to make it happen, I'm going to go, and we leave God out of it. I talk about this stuff with the guys at the jail. There are so many guys in the jail that come in there, and jailhouse religion is popular. It's pretty easy to find Jesus in jail. You got nothing else. You're at rock bottom. It's real easy to find him there. The problem is they find him there, they worship him there, they love him there, and then they get out and they leave him on the doorstep and they say, hey, I'm good now. Apart from him, we can't do anything. Jabez is asking for his blessing. Do you think like him? Do you ask God to bless your plans instead of asking him to bless your plans on your own, do you say, Lord, bless my efforts so that I will be seen, I'll be known, that this will be good for me? Or do you say, Lord, bless my efforts so that you're honored and you're glorified? Use me. You're the one doing it anyways. Use me, Lord. How many of us today will start something without even thinking about God? How many people will do that? How many people in here will jump into that without even stopping for one second to consider, maybe I should pray about this? Even the smallest things we think about before we even walk out of the house, everybody's got to get up and go to work, got to go to school. You think about that before you get up and head out? Say, Lord, bless me today. Help me to bless others today. Use me today. Do you start the day like that? Not for me, Lord, for you. Help people see you today. And if you have to, push me out of the way. I don't want to get in the way. Push me out of the way. We just get to moving and we get to going or get going and we don't think for one second, should I stop and consult the person that's got my entire life 
wrapped up in his hand. Do I even consider that? Do I even think about that? I don't do anything without him. I don't breathe. I don't wake up. I don't move without him. Whether you believe in Jesus here or not, that's the truth. He controls all of it. We don't do any of this without him. Your sight, your ability to move, the fact that you breathe, the way you think, all of these abilities are what? Given to you because who gave them to you? He did. Do you consult him before you start to use some of your abilities? Help me today, Lord. Bless my efforts today. I want people to see you. I don't want to be seen. So he asked for blessing. The second part is he asked for an expansion of his territory. He says, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border. This is opportunity, plain and simple. He's not saying, hey, make my kingdom bigger so I have this big, huge kingdom. Make the nation bigger so that they'll all know that I've done these great things. He's saying, Lord, give me opportunity. Enlarge my borders. Give me more opportunity. Bring me to more people. Show me more people. That's what you need to be praying for in your life. How big's your border? Is it just here? And you want to stay right here? Do you go, Lord, expand my borders. Help me to reach more people. Use me. Give me opportunities. Show me. Speak through me. Bring these people into my life. If you think about it, your circle is very large. If you really think about it, you have a huge circle. The problem is we just condense our circle down into just this little bit of what we think we know. Your reach is huge. How many people are you in contact with every single day? How many people have the opportunity just from you, and if we look in this room, there's quite a few people in this room, how many people would have the opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ because of you? Jabez says here, expand my territory. Give me opportunities. He's asking, hey, help me to be prosperous in all my endeavors. Why? Because if I'm prosperous in my endeavors, you're the one that's doing it. So guess what? Everything is going to be put back on you. Not me, but you. I'm asking you to do this, not for my glory, but for yours. When you ask for these things, remember, I want you to think when you're praying, are you asking for the right things? Are you praying for the right things? Are you asking for him to do these things in your life for you or for him? It's the beauty part about Jesus. He doesn't need us. He wants us. The God of the universe can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, at any time he wants. He does not need us, but he wants us, and he chooses us. You realize in these times where you should speak about him or you have an opportunity to share your testimony or serve or comfort or just listen to somebody, you realize that you're being, you've been given an opportunity and God's going, I choose you. You're the person right now that I'm choosing to do this. Do you want your territory bigger for you or for Jesus? When somebody hears about the word of God, do you want them to go, oh man, I heard about this great thing today. I was told about Jesus and salvation and, and healing of my uh, sins and the peace I can have and all the comfort and, and this is gonna be amazing and I, I, I can't wait to hear more, but I can't remember the person's name that told me. Does that matter? Do you pray like this? Do you pray for God to give you opportunities to show his love every day? To show his kingdom, to show his grace? 
You want those opportunities? Jesus will remember that if nobody else does. But is that enough for you? Is it enough if only Jesus knew? Will you be okay with that? Some of you in here, if you're honest with yourself, that's not enough, is it? Some of us want that extra glory. Some of us want that extra nod. You want these extra opportunities so that when you have the chance to talk about him, you know that when you walk away, somebody heard about Jesus, or when you walk away, are you going to walk away going, hey, that person's going to remember who I am? Which one's more important to you? Where's your heart? You truly want the kingdom to grow bigger? If you want the kingdom to grow bigger, it doesn't matter where your name is. It doesn't matter if they remember that. The kingdom only gets bigger if Jesus does the work. The kingdom only grows if Jesus is the one that's in charge. The kingdom only grows if he is the one that is the center, not us. We do the work, right? He'll work through us if we let him. But if we let him, that also means that we have to be okay with not being the focal point of the message. Number three is the presence of God's hand. He prays for the presence of God's hand. He says, oh, that you would bless, excuse me, oh, that you would bless me Enlarge my borders, and that your hand might be with me. Jabez was asking for guidance from God in his life. He wanted the strength of God to be evident in his life, not for him, but for other people. Lord, let your strength be shown. You show up here. You be the one that people are seeing. You be the one that they're seeing do these great things. You be the one that's seen as the strength, the backbone. You're the one that's doing this. I want you to be the one that's seen. I want you to be the one that's known. He asked for this. Give me guidance in this, Lord, and I want your strength, and I want it to be evident in my existence. He wanted to see God in his everyday life, but not only did he want to see God, but he wanted other people to see God. If you're honest with yourself, do you care Do you care if you see him every day? Do you care if you see him work every day? Do you even think about that? Do you have days where you stop and think, man, look what he did today? Or do you have days that just go by that you don't even acknowledge that, you don't even see that? You don't even see the times where he moved. If we can't acknowledge that and we can't see that or we choose not to see it, how can we help other people see that? He has to be the focal point. Do your good deeds to shine bright for other people. Do you do that? Do you do your good deeds to shine bright for other people? Do you do those things so that you shine bright and not Jesus? I want to see his strength in my life every day, but what makes me more excited is that other people would get to see it. Do you think that way? Because like I said earlier, when we do that, we dim his light to shine ours brighter. And that's a scary thought that if I step in the way, then they can't see him. Why would I ever want to get in the way? But I still do. Because I have those moments of selfishness. Well, why not me? Done an awful lot. How come I can't have a little recognition? How come somebody can't know it was me? Do you think about those things? 
Jesus is the light of the world. He says that. I'm the light of the world. You realize when you step in front of that, you can dim that light. Do you realize that? You can cast a shadow that gets in the way of somebody seeing that light. We're supposed to let it be seen, right? Not block it. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Matthew 5, 14 through 16, he says this, he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to who? Your Father who is in heaven. Everything you do should be done for the glory of God. Every time that you go to work, you work hard for him so that others see him. The way you live your life should reflect him. The way you act, the way you speak, the way you treat people, how you serve, all of it should reflect him. Nowhere in that scripture passage does it say focus should be on us, right? What does it say? Do those deeds so that what? God will be seen. He'll be honored. He'll be glorified. And when he's honored and glorified, guess what? He knows that you did that. It doesn't matter if anybody else knows. If at the end of the day, you realized that you weren't important to anybody else except to Jesus, I'll ask you again, is that enough? Is that enough for you? Because if it is enough for you, you're not going to worry about making sure that you are number one. Guys, we live in a selfish world, and it infects all of us. There's not a single person in this room that isn't selfish. We're all selfish people. And we can get in the way very, very easy. Do you think like Jabez? Are you asking for these things? Do you want God's blessing? Bless my efforts, Lord, so that you're seen. Give me more opportunities. Expand my borders. Open up my territory for you. I want you to be seen by more people. And do you want his presence in your life every single day? You know what it's like to feel the presence of God? Everybody in here has had to have had those moments, right? If you know Jesus, you know those times where you just, man, I just feel the presence of God. Other people need to know that. And they need to experience that. If Jesus is present in your life, it should show. And you should want that every day. Be excited. Jesus, I just want you to be prevalent. I just want you to be the guy. I want you to shine through. I want your light to shine so bright that they can't even see me. Do you want that? The last thing I want you guys to look at here is number four. He asked for protection. He wants protection from harm. He looked at God in confidence, right? He wanted God to be his defender. I want you to take care of me. I need protection. I can't do it. I can't be strong without you, and I for sure, I can't protect myself without you. He asked for God's protection. Now, why does he ask for God's protection? Well, I think he asked for God's protection, A, for the simple fact that he wants protection from God, but not only that, but then that other people would see what God is doing. Keep me from harm. Now, this is a logical prayer, right? Nobody likes to feel pain. 
right? Nobody in here likes to feel pain. Nobody likes to experience harm. We don't want any of that. This is a natural thing to, to not want to feel that, okay? It's completely logical to go, Lord, please protect me from harm. Is he your protection? Is he your defender? And do people know that? Do they know that that's who, who's protecting you? Do they look at you and go, man, that guy can get through anything? Or do they look at you and go, man, God gets that guy through a lot of stuff? When God protects us and keeps us from that harm, and he works in our life in that way, do people know that it's not you that was strong in that moment? Do they know that it was God who was strong in that moment? Do they know the times when you needed protection and you needed help and you didn't have the strength? They know about the times that you might be behind closed doors on your knees crying, stressed out. I don't have the strength to do this. I don't have the energy to do this. And they see you do it, but do they look at you and they go, wow, look how strong that person is. It's amazing. Or do they know that it's like, it's not me. I was able to do that because God had to take me through that. God had to be my strength in that moment. God had to defend me and protect me in that moment. That's not me. You point everything back to him. That's what I mean by him being known. You know him. If you're a believer today and you know Jesus, you know him. And he knows you. But do the people around you know him? Because I guarantee you one thing, the people around you know you. Or do they know him? The world doesn't want to hear it today. They want to hear these great stories about how people overcame, people got through stuff. They don't want to hear how they did it. If I point it back to Jesus, guess what? Conversation changes. Everybody wants a hero, right? Everybody wants a hero. Problem is, we like to be that hero. It's a lot easier to be the hero than it is to interject Jesus into that and let him know it was Jesus who did it. Because we can be selfish sometimes. But then if we interject Jesus into the conversation, everything changes. You point him out to others so that you aren't the one that's pointed out. Don't see me. See Jesus. a lot of people in here who have known Christ for a long time. Some people that haven't known him for a long time. Some people in here that don't know him. When he works in your life, when he does these things in your life, how quick are you to forget And if you don't know Jesus in the room today, he still offers grace. And when he offers grace, it's still him. Everybody in this room is a product of God's creation. He gets all the glory. We don't. We have the opportunity to be used by God for his honor and for his glory and for the furtherment of his kingdom. But that doesn't mean that we have to be the one that is the focal point. He is the focal point. Look at the end of the verse then. It says, God granted what he asked. 
said, so that you would keep me from harm and so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Why did God grant what he asked? Was it so all these things would come to fruition for Jabez and the nation would see what a good man that he was? I don't think so. I think God could see into Jabez's heart. I think he saw humility. I think he saw a man that was honorable and a man that truly wanted God to be shown and seen and known in his life. And that's why God granted what he asked. It says in the passage there that he was more honorable than his brothers, so that must speak, right? It must mean there was something different about him. There was something about him that made him different. What made him so different? Why did God choose to grant that request? I think God saw to the heart. It doesn't specifically tell us. This is just Luke speaking, but I think he saw the man that was asking these things and knew the requests were coming from a place of humility and coming from a place of true worship to God. I don't want your nation to grow bigger so that they'll look at me and think I was this great king. I want your nation to grow bigger so they'll see the majesty and the glory and the power that you carry. Just let me be that vessel for you. Jesus chose to, or God chose to remember him. And that's what's so cool about here when you look at this. If you read through this chapter, it is a lot of names that I cannot pronounce. But what I want you to notice is out of all of these names that come through here, God chose, God chose to single this guy out. God remembered his name. God knew what he did. And God put it in his word so that we could see that. Not so we see how great Jabez was, but so that we see how good God is and what God did. You pray like this? Do you think this way? Do you have a heart for God, or do you have a heart for you? God wants his kingdom filled up, doesn't he? His word says he doesn't wish that any man should perish. He wants it filled up, doesn't he? We got to get out there and fill it up. But if we're going to get out there and do it for him, we have to do one thing, one thing we have to do before we can even get started. Get out the way. Just get out of the way. He'll take you, use you, shape you, mold you, and do whatever he wants to do with you and make you effective for him. But you have to get out of the way. Let him shine. Let him be the one that people see. So is he known? I hope he's known. I know he's known by you if you're a believer in here today. I know he's known. You know him. He knows you. But there's a lot of people that don't know him. And do you allow other people to be known by him? Or do you take the spotlight and go, hey, as long as you remember me, this is about me. Ask Mandy, will come up and play. I got one more passage of scripture for you. So Isaiah 6, 8. Some of you might know this. It's a pretty familiar passage. Isaiah 6, 8 says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, Lord, send me. If that doesn't tug at you a little bit, there's something about a fire and wood or something. Todd said it. I don't, I'll mess it up. So 
if that doesn't resonate with you in some way, there's something wrong with you. Who's gonna go if we don't go? And if we don't go, nobody's gonna hear it, but if you go, don't get in the way. Are you available for him? Are you available for you? Do you want people to know him? Do you want them to know you? Are you in this for your glory? Are you in it for his? Do you truly want Jesus to be the one that's honored and glorified? Do you truly want Jesus to be the one that is shown in your life? Or do you want people to look at you? How much stock do you put in yourself? If I could just do this, if I could just talk to this person, if I could just make a difference, no, it's not for you. Jesus is right there waiting for you to get out of the way. Just get out of the way. We're not very good at being God. Anybody else think they're good at that? We're not very good at it. We like to think we are sometimes. I can handle this. But that's us getting in the way. Do you want people to follow Jesus to create opportunities for him? Or do you want people to follow Jesus to create an opportunity for you? Do you want Jesus to be the one that is using you in this world and you never get remembered? Or do you want him to use you and you go, well, they better make sure that they know who I am. Jesus will bring opportunities to you. Jesus will show you times that you need to step into. Is everybody in here obedient to that? Probably not. I'm not either. I pick and choose. Do you pick and choose when he gets the glory too? Do you have times where you step into a situation or a conversation and you decide that, I'm gonna make this about me. Guess what? You're choosing to make it about your glory and not his. Now, we are important. I don't say all this to make everybody in here sound not important, okay? We're important to Jesus. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gone to the cross, right? But we also have to know that if we're gonna make our life about Jesus, we have to make sure that we aren't the one getting in the way. Don't stifle what Jesus can do. Don't be the person that gets in the way. Do you want to make sure that the world knows your name or do you wanna make sure it knows Jesus' name? Now, if you wanna know Jesus is, this is, this is very very short, very simple. Jesus is the one that can take care of your sin, your shame, guilt, your worry, your fear, your doubt. Jesus can take care of all that. And the beauty of the gospel is just simply we're stuck in sin. We're stuck in sin because Adam and Eve decided to sin. We're the result of that. We're stuck in that. We don't have a choice. Everybody in here is sinful. Everybody is guilty. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, right? There's our sentence. We don't get an option. But it says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. 
That's why Jesus had to come, right? Everything was perfect. We messed it up. So now how do we get back to him? God says, I'll make a way. So he sent his son, one and only son, to die for you, to die for me, to die for all of humanity, to offer a gift so that there's a bridge back to him. If you don't know Jesus in here today, that bridge is wide open for you. You can make your life about him and it doesn't have to be about you and your worry and your fear and your guilt and your shame and your doubt and your sin. It can be about Jesus. He died on that cross for you, for me. He took every single sin that you'll ever do, you could ever do, you will ever do, all that. He put it on himself. We well, you guys to think about something. When Jesus was hanging on that cross and there was three hours of darkness and Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you realize the wrath that was poured out on him was hell? Do you realize God poured out his wrath? Jesus experienced hell for three hours. I want you guys to wrap your head around this. He experienced it for three hours. He took every bit of every sin ever in three hours. And just your sin will cost you eternity in hell, all of eternity. Jesus took it all. He died on that cross. And then three days later, he rose. And he conquered death. Because if he just died, it doesn't do us any good, right? We rose. And he said, you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to prepare a place. And he offers that gift to anyone. But you have to come to grips. You have to come to terms of the fact that you're a sinner and that you need Jesus Christ. Romans says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. Period, right? End of sentence. It's not dependent on anything that you do. It's not dependent on the good stuff that you do. You can't work your way there. There's nothing you can do to get to heaven except respond when the Holy Spirit knocks on your heart and says, hey, I'm right here. I'm waiting to be known by you because he already knows you. He's waiting for you to come to know him, to receive him. Your life can look drastically different when you walk out of here today. Now, he's not gonna fix everything. You can't walk out of here and it's some sort of magic formula and as soon as you walk out of here, everything's gonna be different. But I'll tell you one thing will be different. You'll belong to the family. You'll be in the kingdom. And you'll have an opportunity to spend all of eternity with the rest of the saints, but more importantly, with Jesus himself. But you have to understand your sinful condition. You have to understand where you are. Jesus promises that gift. He says, just come. You have that opportunity here today. There'll be people up here to pray with you. If he's knocking on your heart, don't. Don't wait. Tomorrow's not promised. You have an opportunity today. The God of the universe is giving you the chance to say, hey, just come on back. I know you've been running. I know you're struggling. I know it's tough. I know you got all this stuff. I know it's bad. I'll I'll take it. It's okay. It's an amazing trade-off when you think that Jesus took all of your stuff and my stuff and took all of it, and then we get all of his good stuff. That seems like just an uneven trade. But that's exactly what he did. 
And if you accept him today, that's exactly what he's doing. He's saying, hey, I'll take all your junk. I've got it. I've already paid the price. This guy's with me. Because when you stand in judgment before God, and we all will have to stand there. All of us will stand in judgment before God. When you stand before him, do you want to stand there on your own and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. I know him. But is Jesus going to stand there next to you and say, no, it's okay. I know him. Because there's a lot of people out there that know Jesus, but there's a lot of people that know Jesus that Jesus doesn't know them. Don't confuse yourself today, please. Make sure that he knows you. There'll be people up here. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Don't let your pride get in the way. Don't say, I'll do it tomorrow. I think, ah, it's not for me today. That's for another time. Today is the day of salvation. Take the opportunity today. Be known by Jesus today. And if you let yourself, humble yourself, he'll take your life and turn it upside down. And he'll do great things. But you have to be the one to let him do that. Take this time, take it seriously. If he's knocking on your heart, just answer. If you want to be known by Jesus, it just takes 10 seconds of courage to say yeah, and don't worry about anybody else. Don't worry about all these people in here. Don't worry about what anybody thinks. Let him move you. Let him change you. Let him save you and be known by him today.